Hey guys, Ballistic Strength Radio is the only podcast dedicated to kettlebell sport and is 100% commercial free and is brought to you completely free of charge. So if you appreciate the show, please show your appreciation by subscribing to the Ballistic Strength Radio podcast on iTunes, as well as leaving a positive comment and a five-star rating. Guys, five-star ratings not only boost the show's iTunes ranking, but they also boost its exposure, which means it boosts the exposure and popularity of kettlebell sport. Please pause the episode now and head on over to iTunes to leave some positive feedback. Thanks, guys. What's your opinion on uh, PRing in training with your non-competition bells? Is that is that part of your training? Like, I mean, you mentioned that you'll just you'll just grab the sixteen and you'll go for twenty minutes just kind of for fun. At Worlds, you're going to be competing with the twenty-four kg, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, but you've competed with thirty-twos before. And I've, I've gotten the impression that you still want to push your training and, and possibly get back into the 32s. Yeah, I don't know how I'll ever get the master sport. Um, I, what I want to do, I'm, I'm CMS in all the organizations except for the one I'm currently in, the AKA, because you have to do it with the 28s. So I stopped lifting the 28s. I'm thinking about next year going back and competing with the 28s again. Mm-hmm. And just so I can officially say I got my CMS in the AKA, I'm rank one. But I'm CMS and all the other ones, IKFF and WKC and I don't know what other there is out there. But but just with the AK, you have to do it with 28s. I stopped lifting the 28s. But I could do I could do CMS with it. Yeah. You know. One thing I learned is for, for about the two-year span, I was doing 28s and 32s. I was going, your pace is different. When you, when you lift heavy, you lift in a slower breathing pattern. Your pattern changes. So then when you go back, then you decide to go back lighter. It's, it's weird. Your body is used to that breathing pattern and you go, oh my gosh, I can't do any better numbers even though I lift heavier because your body's in a different rhythm. It's all about rhythm. And Valeria Federico said years ago, 32s are a different game than 24. And I get, I get, I remember thinking then, how can it be a different game? It's just heavier, big deal. So you just, you know, you get stronger and you lift heavier, but it's a different game. It's a whole different, it's a whole different biological body pattern. So if you compete with the 16s, that's different than the 24s. Mm-hmm. Next year, I have to lift the 16s at the Worlds because by rule, I have to lift the 16s because I'm 60 years old. So you think, oh, that's great. I'll just grab the 16s and do a million reps. By <laughs> training, I have to do a 10-minute set with the 16 jerks, and my goal is to get 160 jerks with the 16s. Now, it sounds easy because I've done you know, I've done a lot with the 24s and 28s, with, but it, it's different because your cardio, it, it, it kicks in more of a cardio. I was always amazed by Denisov and uh, Morozov and a lot of these big lifters. Not that, that they're so strong. Wow, those guys are big and strong, you know. But that, th- that their 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 cardio is so awesome at that level. When Denisov did 175 jerks with the 32s, I went back. This is like five years ago, and I said I'm going to do that with the 20 the 12s. I took two 12s, light, right? 
I got six minutes in, man. I couldn't finish it. Even going 17, because it was just tough. Going it's, at uh, a 17, 18 RPM pace. Oh, yeah. It just it, it kills you. So they're more than just big, strong guys. They got awesome cardio systems. Do you think um, that tough. might uh, hinge a bit more on that they've developed that rhythm and that breathing it's, pattern? It's technique. It's rhythm. And it's it's just it's being in shape. And uh, and I tell people, stop. The, the worst people to show kettlebells to is weightlifters because they just they they don't get it. They just mm-hmm. don't get it. That's why women learn kettlebells faster than men because women don't have a weightlifting mentality. Yeah. Um, men want to lift the weight. You don't lift the weight. It's a technique. It's a technique and it's cardio. It, it's it's more. Think marathon. Don't think don't think powerlifting. Think marathon. It's more. You're in there for. It, it's more like bike racing. It's a game. You learn to play a game. It's and it's a breathing. It's all rhythm. Marty Farrell taught me the breathing. They talked about breathing when I was in Russia. And I remember not blowing them off. Going, like, I don't. I don't want to hear about the breathing part. So then when I went to Georgia, a long time ago, Marty. In fact, I talked to Marty about it. He says he don't remember showing it to me, but he did. He said, count your breaths. It's all about the counting of the breath. You count your breaths, and I could. I don't even. I don't even have to even count my sets. I could. I could do a ten minute set, not count, and tell you exactly how many I did. Just by my Based breathing. on the breathing. That's right. With, within a couple reps. Yeah. I, I found that to be an extremely reliable method of, of pacing yourself. Um, and I only started doing that when uh, this past um, July. So, yeah, last month when Misty Shearer gave me um, some uh, training uh, material from Igor Morozov. And it was. Like yeah. And, uh, and so it was largely breath-based this jerk program that she was she wanted me to give a try and so i started doing that and some of the other interesting things that that i i found was that and i it's it's it might seem kind of obvious in retrospect but when you're doing it it's not so much but when you start experimenting with like a, a one breath in the rack one breath overhead two breath in the rack two breath overhead four breath in the rack four breath overhead or any variation of that, you start to also get a feeling for, well, which one works best for you? Which one can you go the distance on? Because it might actually surprise you. Right, right. Because I used to always do my, I, I, two years ago, I did uh, four breaths in the rack. And then I switched it up to three breaths. And I was doing pretty good with that. When I switched to two, I would get six minutes in and it was just too much. And then I would actually do worse because I would put a bigger number in at the beginning of the set and I would just die at the end. Cause I just, it, it wasn't enough that extra breath I needed in that. So, so if I do, if I do three breaths, I'll get about in fact last year I did 14 meets and I think it was eight of the 14 meets. I did 92 jerks. Exactly. I would tell people I'd walk up, I'd walk up to the judge and say, I'll do 92 jerks. And they'd look at me in fact at, at the world's I told Sherry, she was my judge. I said, I'm going to do 80, 80 snatches with my left. I'm going to do 80 snatches with my right. So you're gonna tell me that before you do it? I go. I, I, just, know what <laughs> I just know what I'm gonna do. I did. I did 80, and, and I actually did 78. I missed by two on the other one. But usually, I, usually, because I, I don't know if you remember back WKC. You and this is something Valeri did also. It was very good. We hated the time when you competed. You had to do equal number of both hands. You had you, to. Yeah. Right. In other words, your 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 smallest your your. Your smallest hand the counted. Smallest hand counted. Yeah, that's that's a rule that I thought. Uh, I mean, does the IUKL do do that? Because I've always I've always no. thought of it that way. No, so no, I just picked that up from the WKC then. That's WKC, right? And they don't. 
that's an old rule from years ago that they did. And it was only for a few years and very, but it, it makes you a better lifter. Yeah. So I'm pretty balanced to both my hands. So I can walk up and say, I can, I can say, okay, I'm going to do 85 snatches left and I'll do exactly 85 snatches right and be right on the second when the buzzer goes off with snatches. Jerks is a little different, but if I count my breaths, if I stay on track, I can do, if I do three breaths, three breaths, give me 92 jerks in 10 minutes. I don't want to get too far off this topic, but I want to sneak this question in here. Do you think, um, so if you've got a, if you've got a good hand and a left hand, or sorry, a, a good hand and a left hand, if you've got two left hands, uh, if you have a good hand and a bad hand, as far as snatch is concerned, um, how do you approach your training for snatch differently between either hand, or do you just always go into each, um, workout and just do basically the same thing on either side? Same thing on the you know, either side, but um, I've always started, and I was taught this by Valeri, I always started my snatches with my bad hand because you want to save. But I know some lifters that do their good hand first, and they just like it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, what's funny with me is I'm right-handed, but I have a better grip on my left hand for some odd reason. I'm not sure why that is. Yeah. One thing that does help me a lot for some natural, weird reason, you know, everybody's got their own natural quirks or talents, uh, and even Igor Morozov says, I have an iron grip. I have a really good grip. That's why I've never dropped a belt. I have an iron grip. Grip is never an issue with me. It's always, my mind's always my cardio. So I'm good at, fairly good at snatching because I never have, you very rarely see me do dead hand snatches all the way through a set. It's always all the way back, all the way up. Right. Never an issue. Unless I do glove snatches or something like that, then they start to slip. But, but um, you know. I have a good grip. That's just something that I just naturally have. I don't know why, but my le- my left is better than my right. But I'm right-handed. So so, so you'll typically start with the left. I always start with my left. Right. Yeah, I started getting into that too. Um, but sometimes it's not always consistent, and sometimes I wonder if, um, and it's uh, especially if you're doing this in training and you're gauging it just by uh, your your training sessions. Is that, I mean, depending on what you did first, it'll it, it's in your training session, it's going to affect your outcome. But I, but I had this opinion that, um, I like the idea of starting with the bad hand, but I also am of the opinion that, uh, if I start with the good hand, it warms me up systemically to do better on the bad side. But again, it hasn't really been consistent. So. Right. Yeah. I just, I think it makes, I've never, I'm trying to think if I've ever even started with my right hand. I don't know that I've ever have. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever had. Now I've done this before. I've done snatches where I switch back and forth, and it's really weird to snitch, switch from my right to my left because I always switch from my left to my right. Always, always, right. always. So when I do, like I'll do. Uh, I haven't done this in quite a while. Like I'll do two minutes left, two minutes right switch back to the left in two minutes. And when I switch to my left, if I ever am going to drop a belt, so when I, that's when I'm almost going to drop it. Cause it's, I never switch from right to left ever, ever. I mean, that's real rare for me to do that. Pretty consistent in what I, my training. I mean, what I do, I mean, you know, now it's mm-hmm. really different. I can do a lot of, a lot of static stuff with uh, Igor, a lot of, a lot of uh, slow motion for pause stuff. Okay. Which, so, so this, all right. So this brings us back to our original uh, conversation with the breaths. Um, now, I mean, just what I can gather from watching some, some video of your performances, um, there's this concept, uh, in kettlebell lifting called operational rest. And it's, you know, when you're in a resting position, whether it's overhead or in the rack, 
um, you're, 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 you can function normally and you're able to, you know, ex- explode into that next phase of the lift, um, seamlessly. What, uh, is overhead a difficult position for you? Um, it, it is not so much now, but it has been for years. Um, most guys you'll find that are over 50 and this is just a generalization, but it's kind of true. Mm. Um, you watch most guys when they start out, if they start, they're going to always have trouble with this. They can't get that arm behind their ear. A lot of guys are like, oh, for some reason, men lose their shoulders when they get over 50. Yeah. So it's really tough to see someone over 50. You'll see them doing, doing their jerks and their arms are way out here. Like the YMCA. I always tell right. people arms, their arms are out here. They're not, their arms aren't next to their ears. I'm even, I even have a tough time with it. And I went to a seminar in Columbus back in like 2010 at, at, uh, at like a rogue fitness gym. And it was a seminar and the whole seminar for kettlebell lifting, Valeria had me stretching kind of made me angry. Cause I, I came to lift kettlebells and at the time I didn't understand. He goes, no, no, you need stretch. You need stretch. And did a little bit of kettlebell lifting. Um, now looking back, he was so intelligent and so smart. I needed to stretch. I spent so much time stretching my shoulders out. Because, because you got to get it up over here. If you if you can't find a comfortable place overhead, you're gonna have a tough time with it. You got to you got to find you got to find your spot in the rack. A lot of guys can't straighten their legs. And the secret that my coach taught me, which he probably makes me he doesn't doesn't let me give away secrets, is everybody tries to lean back. They try to lean back, lean back, lean back. The key to having straight legs, lean into the bells. And it straightens your legs right out. You actually lean into the bells. It was like, wow, the opposite. I kept trying to lean further back, you know, and it just bends your knees more. Mm-hmm. He said, no, lean into the bells, roll into the bells. And my legs straightened right out. It was amazing. I have tight hips, and that's what hurts me. If you're real tight hips and shoulders, you're going to have a tough time with this. That's why at the age of 50, when I started, I had to do a ton of stretching. But uh, that's where I think a lot of the older folks have trouble with the flexibility because if you don't have good flexibility, um, it's, you're going to have a tough time with the sport. Yeah, I'd have to agree, particularly with the, that, the overhead, uh, right. you know, epidemiology that you're t- speaking about there with potentially older athletes having the issues overhead. Uh, some of that's going to be due to, um, just lack of mobility in the T spine, not being able to get those shoulder blades positioned right to get right. the humerus in the right position. Um, yeah, and it all kind of leads into that same effect overhead. But so for you in particular, would you say then that rack is your is your better rest position than overhead, or or, oh, it, or is it kind of even right now? Either way, I don't. Um, if I, it's funny if if I if you think if I'm good at resting in the rack, I could sit there for five minutes, but it kills me. Yeah, if, give me a chance to do some jerks. Like, give me, let me do two jerks every minute. I, I'm, I'm fine because it just, it breaks it up. That's why people yeah. like long cycle because they can't, they don't like the rack. They can change your position. Yes. Um, to me, long cycle is just too much work, personally. I don't like long cycle. <laughs> um, um, that's a, yeah, that's the good point. And, that, and that's something that I've gathered from other lifters is that it's a lot of, uh, a, a big part of uh, surviving through that, that long cycle set is being able to transition from position to position. It's those transitions that, that, you know, that make the difference. Um, so that being said, I mean, talking about the whole breath sequence in the rack and overhead, my theory is that different sequences are going to work better for different athletes, whether they have 
really good rest capability both overhead and in the rack or poor capability overhead or vice versa poor capability in the rack but good rest capability overhead and that might skew their their uh number of breaths both either in the rack or overhead uh, what's do you have an opinion on that like so for someone who's really good in the rack they might do three breath, breaths in the rack and do only one breath overhead you know it's funny because in the last about three years when i watch uh, sets which I watch everyday sets of the uh, Russian champions lift and and now actually a lot of the American lifters I watch them you know we got some pretty good lifters and uh, it's funny when you first le- get into the sport you watch how they do the the you look at the bells you watch them do the lift I watched I count their breaths and I watch how they breathe in the rack and what breath they go on when they jerk and I watch like with Marty Farrell he'll do a sequence where he'll do one, two, jerk, come down. One, two, three, jerk, come down. One, he 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 breaks it up. He zigzags. He does, yeah, he he breaks it up. So I watch him. So he'll do he'll do two breathe, two breaths, and go up and then come down. Then he'll do three breaths, come up and come down. Then he'll go back to two again. So what it is is he 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 gives himself a little breathe in uh, in, in the between sort of like like he'll do it that way. Um, uh, Morozov, he'll come down. Of course, he's such a good lifter. I mean, I don't know how he gets air. He comes down into the rack, a breath, and back up, boom. The big thing that he's gotten me to do the last two years was don't lower the bells. Straight down. Drop straight to the hips. That's what I've noticed. I I, I went and I scoured the uh, videos for Hamburg for last year. And and uh, by and large, the most uh, the highest numbers were achieved by lifters who can go straight from overhead directly into the hips. And if you double bounce, boy, that was a bad price. It it took him a long time to. And I still go back to it. I'll have it going like this and resituate my elbows. Yes, that um, ad, you, that adds up. The Russians always say Americans are squiggly. Russians are never squiggly. They're straight down. <laughs> the best guy to watch and jerk is uh, Ilya. Uh, T- Tashlinoff, you ever heard of him? I don't believe so. Tashlinoff, he's he, he's with the team of Ksenia and uh, and um, uh, Ina, Ivan Denisov. Mm-hmm. That guy is amazing. He's boom, 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 boom. He explodes in and out of the rack. I mean, it's almost like you almost can't see him doing it so fast. Ilya, I L L Y A Tashlinoff. Write that down. You got to watch his lifting. That guy's amazing. Whenever I, whenever I want to get my head wrapped around good jerks. I think of him. I just, I, I imagine him jer- doing jerks and it just, it just, I don't know. It, it's like, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, I vision it. Ilya Tashlinov. You guys are really good lifter. So is his advantage, his explosiveness, or is there something else going on there? No motion. He comes straight down. Boom. Hits the position boom, straight up, and then back down, hits, it, hits oh, that position. Just total like, explode and no movement and boom straight up boom straight down it's pretty amazing mike could you um tell us maybe about uh, one or two early mistakes that kind of stick out to you that you made in your lifting career that uh, you might be able to carry on some wisdom to the other lifters listening uh let me think here for a second well 
probably the biggest mistakes I, I made in the beginning were not lifting so much was not doing all the things that like Valeri, especially he would like to get pissed off at me. He would say like in the beginning, cause when we first started doing kettlebell meets years ago, people would come up to me and they'd go like, why do you squirt water on your shirt? Why are you using chalk? You know, why do you do this? And it's like, and I remember I never went to squirt water for friction on my shirt. And Valeri goes, why don't you squirt water? I tell you to do this. You don't do this. You need to do this. You know? And I would do, you know I mean? I wouldn't listen. Um, so the biggest mistake I, I did was I tried to do things my own way instead of listening to what's already proven by the, by the, um, the pro, you know, the pros and stuff. Right. That's probably the biggest thing mistake I made, um, is not, not listening to what they, they say. Or like, I didn't want, like, I didn't want to stretch. I didn't want to stretch. I wanted to lift kettlebells. Um, breathing. I was breathing. And I, yeah. had, I had Sergey Krilov translating with my wife about my breathing, my breathing. And I remember, I remembered like it was yesterday thinking, I don't care about breathing. I want to lift kettlebells. Show me the lifting. I look back now, like I was a freaking idiot. You know what I mean? It's like, I got the, the one of the best, the coach of the Russian team trying to teach me about breathing and breathing. <laughs> you thought he was pulling your chain. Well, I, I just didn't think it was that important. So, you know, so I would say stretching flexibility is probably the biggest mistake that I didn't do. I tell people it's, it's about flexibility and um, the breathing and flexibility. Um, lifting wise, I would say probably trying to go up in bells too fast um, as a lifter. Um, in fact, I, I'm seeing that now with a lot of a lot of American lifters. Now we're going. It's funny. I dropped down to the 24s, and all the guys that that went up to 32s was good because they were out of my league now. Now they're all dropped back. Down. You know, it's like you got Marty Farrell doing 24s. Marty, what are you doing 24s for? How am I going to beat you? You know, you know what I mean? But because they realize that that you know, even a lot of Russian lifters are lifting 24s now. Yeah. Uh, so is there a limited uh, you know lifespan for lifting those 32s competitively? Do you, do you know the um kind of the statistics on that if you follow you know athletes careers how long they're lifting the 32s for? I know that I let I let all the I let all the pros tell me that cuz I thought I was doing pretty good with the 32s and I was enjoying it but I was they talked me out of stop lifting the 32s I was going to get hurt but I don't think my form was good enough. Snatch I still do okay with the 32s but uh, jerks I think I don't have the leg strength. I've always had skinny legs. I've always had runners legs. So I never had the power. I don't never had those big beefy thighs like like morals off and like you know you're, you're good jerk. Of course, then you have you have you have uh, exceptions to the rule like uh, Marty Farrell and and Rudnev who are like skinny skinny little legs, you know. Mm-hmm. So Rud- Rudnev so, is a bit of an enigma. Yeah, even Marty. Look at Marty Farrell's not a very big guy. He's kind of a skinny guy. He did eighty three jerks at the nationals with thirty twos. Wow. So you know. So I don't know. Um, I would say probably, you know, stretching is a mistake if you don't do it um, and probably jumping up in bells. As far as lifting, I don't know. There's two schools of thought. There's the money set school of thought. And then there's the shorter, faster sets back to back with short rests. And I I guess what I would say about that is they're both good. Mm -hmm. Although I know this. If you don't do a long set once in a while, you forget what that seventh and eighth and ninth and tenth minute feels like. If you're always doing these short sets and getting, you know, like doing two and three and four minute sets, you know, you get you can go to a meet and you haven't done a long set, you get out there 
and you're eight minutes in, you're like dying. You know, you lift, you know, it's like, Oh, the, the, uh, those latter minutes are the bane of my existence. Um, and, uh, and so you would argue that, um, and not that I would disagree because I don't, you're saying that it's important to do those long sets every now and then. So you don't forget what the long sets feel like and that, and that impact. Um, but so would you say that doing a couple of half hour runs, you know, per week, with that, do you think that w- if you were go- if you were going to not do those seven, eight, nine, ten minute sets, do you think that that would carry over those long runs, or do you think you need to do the kettlebell? I, I do the long runs anyways. I do yeah. those three, three week. Uh, no, you got to do the long runs. One thing, that, I'm glad you brought that up. Now, right now, I'm on a different program, a, a different type of program. But like last year, we were doing um, like thirty minute sets of jerks. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, with, with, uh, not, not all at once, though. Um, Igor had me okay. going. Had me going so one like minute. A work to rest ratio. Yeah, thirty sets of one minute. You know, at a high pace. And I tell you what, it's the only thing too with snatches too. In, instead of just going up to eight minutes or ten minutes, do a sixteen minute set, but switch every two minutes. Hmm. Switch it. When I was in Russia, uh, 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 uh. Andre uh, Stepanov, he did a 20-minute set of snatches, switched every five minutes, did over 400 snatches with the 24. It was 20 minutes. It was amazing. So it's good to like go, like do, do a 20-minute set of snatches, but switch every minute back and forth. Because when you get 15 minutes in, you'll see your body changes. You feel different. So going long, going, going long sometimes is good too. It's kind of like if you always run one mile or two miles, then one day you decide to run five miles, your body changes. Your body gets used to a certain, there's like a time clock your body has and it stops. Mm-hmm. So I always say do some longer sets once in a while. And that's something I'm not doing at all now because I'm strictly going by a program. Right. How, how, how often do you think once in a while is in terms of uh, improving the lifter? Do you think doing that once a week, twice a week, once every two weeks? Would be I think you should every couple weeks. And I'm not doing that. In fact, in fact, this week, I just, I don't have that much this week. If you look, it's, I mean, I can't see it, but it's not I, much. I see empty boxes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like I got, tomorrow I got one set of jerks, 10 minutes. I got to make a video that you can look at my thing and find it tomorrow. <laughs> right. Uh, 100, 100, uh, it pays 16, 18 reps a minute of jerks. I got jump squats, um, three sets of 100 reps, stretching. Uh, the day after that, I got boxing. Or running, which I box on Tuesdays, although I didn't box today because the guy's out of town. I got snatches. I got a six-minute set of snatch with swing with 28. And I got snatch and cotton gloves for uh, 10 minutes with 18-kilogram bell. So he's got he's got me in a different program right now, but I totally believe in him. But I, I like doing some longer sets, too. And that's, like I say, once in a while, I'll throw something in on my own. But, um, you know, he's, you know, you got to listen to your coach and you know, do what they say. I, I, I think chances are that you'll see better progress. If you, if you listen Let's, to your coach. Right, exactly. Um, so, uh, we should probably start wrapping it up soon. I do have, uh, another question that I'd like you to give me your opinion on. Although I just lost it here. Okay. So one other thing came up fairly recently was, um, and this has to do particularly with nationals that you went to, was the venue. 
So, I mean, is there any, um, you know, pol- current policy regarding uh, the appropriate venue for a national um, competition right now? And, and and what's your response to some of the feelings about uh, where this recent nationals was held? And if you could just maybe fill us in on, on what the uh, venue was like at the time and what this, some of the possible uh It was a nice venue. Yeah, it was a nice venue. I would have to say... Um, the lifting area was was plenty big enough, and you know the judging area. It could have been bigger for the spectators, I suppose. Um, you know, I just it could have been a little bigger that way. I would I would have liked to have seen the warm up area a little better. Um, it was a little bit crowded. It was up on a stage. Um, just a little more room to warm up, I guess would would have been better. But as far as overall, it was it was nice. Everybody thought it was kind of small. Um, it was a little small, but I wasn't a spectator, so I don't know. You know what I mean? The spectator right. could have used more space, I suppose. Um, I think people were saying it was getting stuffy and humid in there. It was. Um, that because of the way the behind the curtain was the stage and it had a lot of chalk everywhere, and it seemed like the ventilation wasn't that good. And I, and I know they had the manager of the hotel – come down and we said, turn the air on, get the ventilation going. But it didn't seem like that, that it was going as good. It got pretty chalky in there. Um, just got chalky in there. And uh, that was a ventilation problem. As so far like, as, So like dust in the air, you mean? Yeah, yeah, chalk in the air. Yeah, kind of chalky. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, not enough that you couldn't survive it or anything. It's just that it was kind of chalky. I'd like to see the warm-up area a little better, but. Other than that, I mean, I spectator it could have been a little bigger, but it was a nice venue, plenty of room to lift. It, um, I, I think being bigger would have been nice, but it, it was fine. It worked. It worked real well. It was a nice hotel. I mean, very nice hotel. I didn't stay there. I stayed somewhere else. <laughs> and we'll just strike that last comment from the record. Then it was a nice hotel, but I didn't stay there. I stayed. Well, yes, I don't. Uh, fair enough. Um, if maybe we can just finish with, and I feel like you're the kind of guy who has a lot of stories. Do you have a humorous kettlebell story that you've yet to divulge? Oh boy. Whether this be regarding international competition, maybe some interactions you've had with other lifters from other countries, or maybe something in your early years. something in training maybe you dropped a kettlebell on your foot and you have a funny story attached to that no i don't know about that you know i know when i went to i went to germany i thought it was it was it was kind of neat when we were in germany i walk into the big gym and uh the irish team you know mick kelly and kathleen cleary and all those guys i talk to them on facebook all the time and i walk into the gym and I, i i hear from clear across the gym Michael Sherman, come on over here. I mean, big Irish voice. They come over, they hug me and stuff. It was like, and what was bad was I spent, I would spend half the time with the Irish team. Those guys were awesome. We weren't drinking and stuff. The Irish team. I'm glad it's in Ireland. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a party. Did they convince you that was the secret sauce? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I set up it with them. And uh, as far as funny story, I don't. Uh, I know Cyrus. I know at the one WKC meet one time. Uh, did jerks with a 26 and a 24 bell. Oh Cause, no. Cause uh, he grabbed a wrong button. He said he thought, he thought the one felt a little heavy, but uh, you know, 
not, not too much funny though. I mean, you know, I'm always, we're always joking around all the time. I'm always talking, laughing with people and stuff, but, uh, yeah, but no, it's, uh, it's a good time. And I do it for the people really more now. I mean, I don't, you know, I got, you know, you know, they had the lifter of the year in the AKA, you know, they have GS planet magazine. And, uh, Is so that's what, still going on. Oh yeah. At least, well, they've had four of them. I don't know if they're still doing it, but right. I think they're biting off more than they can probably chew as far as things they, they can do. Cause they're trying to do so much, all good stuff, but you know, almost only so much you can do. That's why I do the podcast. It's fairly easy. I find this easier for me than writing blogs. If you can believe that. Yeah. But you know, um, anyways, the lift through the year, see, I've done karate for years. And then the way they do karate, well, the way they do karate tournaments in the PKC professional karate commission is whoever does the most first places is the lift is the karate person of the year or whatever, or the most you get points by the amount you do. Mm-hmm. So they set up a thing where they're going to have a lifter of the year. Whoever gets the most first places and they, they had like a, a thing to go by. Well, I, being a karate guy, I already figured out, well, if I do the most meets, I don't have to be the best lifter. I just have to get the most points. And I got those points. So Svetlana and I both did because we did the most meets. So people say, wow, you're the best lifter of the year. I go, well, I'm not the best lifter. Those guys can outlift me, but I just did the most meets. I got the most first places. So that's why in 2013, I did 11 meets. And then in 2014, I did 14 meets. Well, then this year, I already was going to change my format. I was going to do a little more judging, not spend as much money, money, not go as many meets. And, and then Yuri said, well, what it's going to be is you're a point chaser. If you do the most meets every year, you're going to be the guy who gets the lifter of the year. I said, yeah, I could do it every year. Cause I'll just go to the most, I'll just be the, I'll just go to the most meets. And so they changed it anyway. So you have to be a professional to get the lift of the year from 2015 on. So I had, I could say I was lift of the year for the first two years, but now you got to lift the 32s for the men and 24s for the women. Wow. But you know, so, you know, I, I, but I knew that they going didn't in. want you to have all the glory. Right. Well, the thing is, I knew that going in. I don't know. These other lifters really knew that these other lifters, they just went to beats and that was it. So I got it because I went to the most and I just enjoy it. I mean, some guy golf, some guys bowl. I love kettlebells. <laughs> um, um, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting topic in some other ways too, because, uh, I mean, really when you look at it, you might not be quote unquote, the best in terms of either numbers or, or even, you know, like bell weight, if we're going to, if we're going to compare those as well, but, um, you've proven yourself on the platform more than anybody else. And I think that speaks for something because there are some people who will have their, their moment of glory once on the platform and then talk about it all year, but they've only proven themselves. And not that we have to get boastful and, and, and talk about this, like it's a a topic about pride or anything. But I mean, if you're, if you're going to talk, if you're, if you're going to talk the talk, you, then you may as well walk the walk and, and prove yourself. Well, and you know, there's, there was a lot of good lifters back, you know, seven, eight years ago. I mean, a lot of good ones. Uh, Matt Scheinebeck, um, Catherine Imes doesn't lift much anymore. Uh, you know, Catherine, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't lift, uh, although she competed, I don't even say, she doesn't compete much anymore. I think she competed, I think she did once this year in Canada. She doesn't do much anymore. She's really good. Um, uh, I said, Matt Scheinebeck, uh, there's, there's a lot of guys that were, we're in the scene and you just don't see him anymore. It's Eric St. Hodge. He was the best. He still holds the record for the most jerks in Canada, 101. They did it my meet in Toledo back in 2009. Um, you know, but you know, they, they, they move on with their lives. You know, they don't, Yeah. you know, they go on. I'm, I think I've, I've had the most longevity as far as competition. I've done it longest. 
I was in the very beginning ones where they were doing RKC bells and I'm still out there. I've, I've talked to people that said, you know, it's weird. You know, I don't go to a lot of meets, but every meet I've ever been to, you've been there. <laughs> well, and, and like you mentioned, uh, you said you went to uh, the first kettlebell meet in Canada in what, 2009? Yeah. Yeah. Two, and 2009, wasn't that, uh, the year that, um, Pavel's Enter the Kettlebell came out? I don't know. Was that I year? I feel like that was the year that, that Pavel kind of exploded. Yeah. Onto the but, scene uh, there. yeah, but, but cause I remember it was an Agatsu meet. So I called Sean Mosen and I said, what's an Agatsu? <laughs> cause I know what that meant. And he, and he, I, I still remember what his answer was, but it was an Agatsu meet. It was in Toronto and, uh, and all the Canadian people were there. But uh, that was pretty fun. In fact, I brought I brought bells with me. In the beginning, in the beginning years, you had to bring all the bells up with you. Our first competition was on carpeting in a small room, and it was uh, Catherine Imes, Ken Blackburn, um, the Funks, uh, Joanna Funk, and uh, her husband Kurt, and Rachel, and uh, Andrew Derniat, who was another great lifter who got out of it. Have you ever heard of Andrew Derniat? No, I don't believe so. Oh, yeah. He was he's one of the best lifters in the country. Um, in fact, he held the record for the most snatches until John Lesko came along. And, uh, you know, and it was all us, all us guys. Uh, Scott Helsley, one of the first uh, master sports in long cycle. And, uh, and there's still only, I think, five or six master sports in, in uh, biathlon in North America of males. Uh, I think it's Charlie Fortinelli. Marty Farrell, John Lesko, Chris Dolan, and uh, Scott Teague, who's out of it. That's five. I don't know if there's anybody else. Jason Sanchez is making his way up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he's getting better. He's getting there. Yeah, Jason's a good buddy of mine. He's looking pretty solid. Yeah. So. So yeah. How, how, okay, so you've seen the evolution from then till now. Are you happy with the way it's turned out so far? Uh, oh, yeah, I think the part that makes me sad is that I kind of wish um, the World Kettlebell Club or the WKC would have stayed in competition and would have been not so secretive with some of the stuff they did. They were so secretive with everything. And then they got they got caught up on the fix, fixation so much and didn't didn't rely on didn't have faith in um, oh good judging or, or let let the judging take its course. Do you think that was a mistake then? The fixation thing. I kind of I, I, I kind of like that. The fixometers. I think it's great, a great training tool, but it's kind of like you lose the human element. You lose yeah. you lose what it's all about. So so we're gonna go to baseball games where we're, we're, they could build a machine that a computer laser that could tell you if it's a strike or a ball. You don't need umpires. Right. Why put a hand back there? They could build they could build a machine easily that's got lasers that says this is a strike or a ball and make it perfect. But the thing of it is, that would be no fun. You need a you need a <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You need to have mistakes. And I think forcing the 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 the, the fixometer on people was kind of a mistake. The the the, the device itself is good. Right. They, do did, it in, they did pretty much force it on the competitors. Yeah. And then, you know, um, you know, cause I was, I was part of for Larry's crew. I did all, I did all the Arnold uh, booths and stuff for him for years and stuff. And I'm still part, I'm still part of the WKC. I never quit. They just, mm-hmm. they, they quit, they quit. They just really got into selling equipment and stuff. I don't know. I don't even know what they're doing now. 
And and the thing of it is, here's the thing. The the, the main the main deal is in Russia and Eastern Europe. Now, some people argue this point with me. The real the real world is the IUKL, the Russians, the Ukrainians, and Eastern Europe. And the thing of it is, if we want to be thought of on the world stage, <clears throat> we can't be over here just doing our little American thing. We got to be part of that. The only avenue to that is is the AKA because that is the direct link to the IUKL is the AKA. And luckily, the guys that run that are great guys. Yuri's an awesome guy. Um, Alex is a great guy. They're awesome guys. They're friendly. They, you know, they, you know, they're open-minded. They want to make it good. I watch them. They don't do. They really don't do this for the money. These guys kill themselves going to places. I'm amazed. They're they're all over the country. Load up the van. Take all the bells. Take all the, you know. And, and in the beginning, because they had six meets the first year, the second year they had twenty meets. I said, "How are you guys going to do it? Oh, we'll do it. We'll do it." I go, "Man, I don't know, but they're there. They do it." But you know, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. But I think they're trying really hard. But they are the representatives in the United States for the IUKL, and so. You can't go to the worlds unless you go through them. And that's where a lot of the people, you know, John Buckley, he's my, I love the guy. He's my buddy. All the California people are my friends. But it's sad to say it, but if you want to go to the worlds, you got to do the nationals, the AKA. You got to do that. You know, of course, the IKFF has their worlds. The WKC had their worlds. But the real worlds are the ones that are in, you know, that's the real world. That's where the Russians go. And, you know, you that's, know that's where the competition, that's where the best of the best are going to be. That's at the, the end of the day, you know, if you if 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 you want to be, you know, quote unquote serious about your athletic career, that's where you want to be. Right. And that's why the IKSFA and the AKA are in conjunction because Alex Caution knows that that's what it is. And they have their group, but they they work in conjunction with each other. They work together. They do their meets together and they do things together. And um so they get along real well. And the IKFF, they do they do their thing. You know, they have good meets. I enjoyed that's where I started. Um, I don't know that they um, get all that involved with the competition, with the uh, going to the worlds and stuff. But, uh, and then the WKC, I don't think he's doing any competition anymore. Yeah, I don't so, believe so. But, so, and yeah. yeah, so just to clarify for all the listeners, you know, the IKFF, RGSI, um, uh, you know, even the, the WKC and everyone in between, they all, and the IKSFA, they all have great information. They all put out good stuff. They're all great sources for that kind of thing. And and if you want a good coach, undoubtedly they are all qualified to help you, um, you know, uh, progress through your 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 kettlebell career. Um, but what we're talking about is, you know, if you want to go compete on the world stage and you know show what you got and compete again and you know be shoulder to shoulder with some of the best and have that experience. You there's a certain channel that you have to go through, and and if you're in America, that's the AKA. If you're in Canada, that's the CKA, and it all eventually bottlenecks to the IUKL. Right. So. And I don't know, and I don't really, and I'm in, I'm in the front end of it. I I don't even know all the politics that goes along with it. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I'll say I'll, I'll say like you know why isn't this person here? And they say, well, they don't do this. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that. You know, I to me, I think just we should all get along. You know, can't we just all get along? You know. <laughs> It's, it's it's all good. I lifted all of it. So, but I wanted to go to the worlds and, and I like, I like, I like the format that the AK puts on. And, you know, when somebody says, well, you're, 
I remember somebody said something to John Lesko one time. Uh, well, I thought you were an IKF F guy. He goes, and he goes, well, I never consider myself just a particular guy. I'm not just an AKA guy. I'm still a WKC guy. I'm still an IKFF guy. I still wear their shirt. I still wear their, you know, I'm a coach for the IKFF. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I mean, I'm with all of them still, but the one that's, that the happening thing now is the AKA. They're the ones that's holding the meets and going to the worlds and that kind of thing. And another thing too, this is, another, I know you got to get going, but <laughs> you know, um, I tell people that if you're not on Facebook, you're not in kettlebells. And they're like, what? Because there's a couple of guys that are good lifters. They don't do Facebook. And they're always coming to me. They'll go to the meets and they'll go, how do you know what's going on? I go, dude, you're not on Facebook. Oh, I don't do that. Man, if you're not on Facebook, you, in my book, if you're not on Facebook, you're not in kettlebells. Bottom line. I don't care who you think. <laughs> you got to be on Facebook. A little known fact. Well, yeah, everything hits Facebook first. That's part of it. Facebook. It's all done through Facebook. Yeah. You got to be, if you're not, if, if, if you're listening to this, and you're into kettlebells and you want to know what's going on. If you're not, if you're not on Facebook and friending all the kettlebell people, what's really cool back about six years ago, I put on Facebook and this is right after it first came out. I put, what was Ivan Denisov's record? What, what, what was, what year was that? He did that. Here's the cool part about 20 minutes later, or but no less than that, about 50 minutes later, he answered himself. I got answered by <laughs> Ivan Denisov. He answered it. What it was that, that blew me away. I was like, I like this Facebook stuff. It's cool. You talk to, you talk, I'm I'm buddies with people that I looked up to only only seven, eight, nine years ago. They're my buddies. Igor Morozov, he's my buddy. Uh, Rudnev, we're friends. We talk. We're we're buddies. They're, they're like, you know what I mean? It's it's weird. Yeah. It's like it's like being in a hockey and being like good friends with with the Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. You know what I mean? Because of Facebook and going to the meets, you just meet the people. You got to If you're not on Facebook, you're not in kettlebells. I'm telling you. You think you are. You ain't lifted. You can argue the facts with me all you want. You got to be on Facebook. I don't think I don't think anyone would, would argue. It's it's kind of it's it's kind of funny because my girlfriend was uh, saying just the other day how uh, I mean, uh, like I mentioned before, we did nationals, uh, Canadian nationals in July, and uh, I took a photo of her on the platform uh, with her kettlebell, and she shortly after that posted that as her um, her, her, her profile picture, and uh-huh. as soon as she did that. Oh, you know, steadily and consistently over the course of the last few weeks, she's been getting friend requests from these people who she's never met, but who also have kettlebell, you know, kettlebell, that's how, you, that's how you grow. That's how you learn and you grow. You know, I just, cause it, otherwise what, what other venue is there? How do you get to t- know these people? How do you get to know what's going on? How do you know what events are out there? You don't, how do we do it years ago? I don't even know. In Word fact, when we had our first meet in 2009, I went to a meet with uh, uh, Xeroxes and handed them out to people. We were having a meet. Isn't that crazy? That's like old-fashioned. Were, were you putting flyers under people's uh, windshield wipers? No, but I was Come going down to, to the kettlebell meet. Just like you do like, like the old-fashioned days. That's funny. I look back now. And it's funny how fast things move along because it's only 2015. And it was only like, what, six years ago, seven years ago. Yeah, it has moved pretty fast. And I haven't been in it for that long, but even from my perspective, it feels like it's uh, exploded. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, you know, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up right there. All right, um, great. And, uh, but thank you a lot for all that information and, uh, and, the, and the good good conversation. Mike, you're a man of many hats. 
yeah. <laughs> a, a man of many kettlebell organizations and of many many uh, disciplines and skills. Um, and I just want to thank you for sharing your point of view with uh, all with myself and all my listeners. Well, thanks for calling me. I just uh, if you need anything else from me, though, I mean, honestly, anything, any questions or any information from me or you need to know anything just message me or email me or whatever well i'll shoot you the link to the podcast once it's up and uh and ready to go um what i was thinking though in the future is that i might end up just creating a website specifically for the podcast and then i can have um guests write an article on their point of view on something and we just you know post associated kind of articles to the to the podcast website when if people want to learn more about whoever's on the on the show would you be interested in that Oh yeah, yeah, sure. That'd be great. What's your next meet? So my next meet might be the IKFF one that's going to be held in September, which is in Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Okay, because they have one here. Uh, the world's in. I'm by Detroit. Um, and then after that, uh, Dublin. Okay. Well, well, I'll see you in Dublin. I'll <laughs> see you there. And uh, you'll probably. So what? You'll be there on the last day. I'll be there. I'll, I'll be is there. Is that how? Oh, because you'll time. be judging too, right? Right. I'm going to get my apprentice judge, but I'll, I'll be there. Um, that's the thing I started to talk about. I'm not, I don't know how much they're going to like me as a judge walking around with the people. Because so, <laughs> I think it's real funny about that. They don't have the judges talking to everybody. So I, I'm going to see how that works. I'll talk to Yuri about that because I got I got to meet with my friends. You know, I just I not, I got to meet with my friends and give hugs and stuff. You know, but the Russians are real funny. If you're a judge, you got to stay back over here. You know what I mean? Just throw some sunglasses on, pull the old Clark Kent Superman thing, and and you can you can rub shoulders with uh, all of us with the sunglasses on. Then you take them off and go back to your to your desk. Right. Well, thanks, Tom. I really appreciate you thinking of me, and uh, this was a lot of fun. And hopefully, I didn't, uh, you know, bore the bore the people they go to listen to this <laughs> i don't think that's possible mike um it, it'll be great to have you on the show again in the future sometime if you're up for it and so, I mean, uh once again just thank you for uh joining us on the show and uh see you next time great all right great and then stay in touch okay i will do and we always have facebook right that's right because <laughs> because we gotta be on facebook you're not in kettlebells <laughs> exactly thanks mike thanks bye-bye. All right, bye-bye good night Thank <laughs> you.